morning again. If you would please hear the word of the Lord from Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, if you've been with us for the entire time we've been going through this sermon series on Romans, uh, you know that Paul has spent the first four chapters of this letter building his case. Okay, he's trying to tell us who Jesus is and why we should care so desperately about Jesus. Okay, he's showing us that Jesus is our salvation. Okay, first and foremost, which to Paul happens at the very end of time. Okay, Jesus is also the source of our justification. Okay, which is a big word. We talked about that, right? That's when the judge bangs his gavel down and declares that you are righteous. Okay, you are justified. Okay, Paul also says Jesus is the source of our reconciliation. Okay, we were estranged from God. We were in the wrong kind of relationship, but because of Jesus, now we are back with our loving Father, and we love him, and he loves us, and everything is great. Okay, Jesus is also our assurance, we don't have to walk around in fear because you and I have eternal life. We have the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, Jesus is also the fulfillment. Paul says that there were promises made to us long, long ago, but now Jesus has fulfilled them. Okay, if you look at this chart, basically what you get is if you have any big question in life, Jesus is the answer, right? Now at the end of chapter 5, Paul makes the scope of all of this even bigger by giving us this contrast between Adam and Jesus. He says we're children of Adam and we're also children of Jesus. Okay? And from both of those ancestors, we have gained different characteristics. Right? And if we want to understand who we are as people, we need to understand what is it we've inherited from Adam 
And what is it we've inherited from Jesus? We get stuff from each of them. You know, I look at my own family. I can see places I got different things. You know, for my mom, I got my dark hair and my dark eyes. Thank you, mom. Uh, from my dad, I got the noble Chisholm nose. Thanks, dad. You know, I inherit from both my parents. It's part of who I am. It's part of what makes me who I am. You know, I assume that any of us who've ever had children before, the first thing you do is you look at that baby and you start trying to decide which features of that kid go with which parent, right? Hey, fortunately, neither one of my sons got the Chisholm nose, right? Both of them take after their mother. You know, but we look at our kids and we start picking out different things. As they grow older, we start finding personality traits that we can tag to each one of the parents, right? Hey, when my kids are talking incessantly... I know they get that from me. Okay? Uh, when they are just so stubborn and dig in their heels, they get that from mom. Okay? And Luke especially. Luke is a stubborn child. Okay, our kids get characteristics from each of us. And at the end of Romans chapter 5, Paul is telling us there's things that we've inherited from Adam. Uh, but fortunately, the stuff we inherit from Adam doesn't get the last word. Because okay? we also get to inherit from Jesus. And we can overcome the things that we get from Adam. Okay, so this morning there's two things I want to share that we get from Adam. And then we'll talk about how Jesus helps us overcome those. The first thing we get from Adam, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, from Adam, we inherit a broken world. Okay, we inherited a broken world. You know, I remember in third grade... I went to school one day, and I was wearing something. I don't even remember what it was now, but it had Mickey Mouse on it. I was wearing something with Mickey Mouse, and my best friend in third grade was a little boy named Derek. And I even remember where we were standing on the playground when this happened. I remember him looking at me and going, you're wearing Mickey Mouse? That's for babies. I never wore it again. Okay? And I learned on that day that how you look matters. You know, I remember in fourth grade at recess, and I think this is a rite of passage for any young man, uh, standing at recess along a chain link fence. Okay, and the two best basketball players on the court were picking teams, right? That's a brutal thing to do to kids, okay? But that's what we did. Okay, and I remember desperately hoping that my friend would pick me, but instead he picked a team to win. I didn't play basketball that day. And I learned that being athletic matters. You know, in middle school, I learned that some kids got to live in nice big houses, and some kids lived in smaller, not-so-nice houses. And I remember learning that how much money you have matters. You know, somewhere in all of this, the boys started to notice the girls. And I learned that what really matters is attracting the opposite sex, right? Fortunately, I'm smooth and witty and charming and incredibly handsome. So that, that helps in that area. You know, in middle school, we also started with the cliques, right? Jocks go over here, the band kids go over here, the nerds go over here, skaters go over here. And I learned that you need to be part of a group. What, part, what group that you are a part of matters. 
And lots of people will not like you or will not talk to you if you're not part of the right group. Who you hang out with matters. I think the first time that I experienced death in any kind of a personal way was in high school when my grandfather passed away. Uh, He had had a stroke several years before that. He was an invalid for the last several years of his life. Uh, His body completely betrayed him. And I remember a couple of years before he died, I was probably about 14 years old when this this occurred, uh, and he could only whisper. He couldn't even talk anymore. He was really very pitiful at the end of his life. But I remember him whispering to me and saying, I want to die. That's a lot for a 14-year-old. And I learned that the world is full of sickness and death. Growing up, I learned pride and greed and materialism, condescension, deceit, sickness, and death and pretty much everything else that's wrong with us as a people. Now, my story of growing up and discovering brokenness is the same as each and every one of yours. Okay, you can think through your life, you can think of your growing up years, you can think of all the times that you first learned just how broken the world is. You're not born knowing all of that stuff. You learn it as you grow up. You know, nobody is born a racist. You learn it from a broken world. Nobody is born addicted to drugs or sex or power. You find those things in a broken world. Nobody is born knowing how to hate someone else. You experience it in our broken world. You and I, as we grow up, we are exposed to every form of brokenness imaginable because from Adam, we inherit a broken world. This world was broken long before any of us got here. And I know that I've talked about this before, but you have to understand this for the Bible to make sense. And that is that you open the Bible to page one, the story of Genesis, and it starts with the story of how God created a perfect world. And then starting in chapter three with Adam and Eve, we mess up God's perfect creation. Okay, here are the stories after creation, right? Chapter three, we have the fall of man. Is that a story of brokenness or healing? That's brokenness. Okay, chapter four, we have the story of Cain and Abel. Brokenness or healing? Brokenness. Chapter 5 through 8, we have the flood. Is that a story of brokenness or healing? Brokenness. Chapter 9 and 10, we get a very weird story about Noah having to curse his children because something sexual happens there. We're really not sure what it is, but it's not a story of healing. It's brokenness. Chapter 11, we get the story of the Tower of Babel. Is that brokenness or healing? It's brokenness. Finally, in chapter 12, we get to Abraham, but the point is very clear. Genesis is telling a story after story of how the world starts great, we mess it up, and then it gets progressively worse. Finally, God ends up wiping the whole slate clean with the flood, and even after that, we can't get our story straight. From the time of Adam, we live in a world marked by sin, death, and destruction. From Adam, we inherit a broken world world. I think in addition to that, number two, we also inherit a sinful nature. You may have heard uh, before people argue from Romans chapter 5 that we inherit sin itself. I don't believe that's true, right? I don't believe that that you're guilty of any sins that your parents committed. I believe we all make plenty of sins on our own. We didn't have to inherit sins. 
but I do think you and I inherit a sinful nature. I think we are born a selfish people. Okay, those of you with kids, I'm pretty sure you will agree with me that children start out life as little heathens. Okay, when your kids are born, do they care what you want? Do they care about your needs? Do they care how much sleep you got last night? Or do they only care about their own needs and what they want and what's right in front of them right now? Each and every one of us, we start out life selfish. You know, recently Sam has been on a kick where he wants water when he goes to bed every night. Okay? He needs his little sippy cup full of water. Okay? And we're raising some little heathens in my house. But okay, he's got to have his little sippy cup full of water. All right, just the other night he gets his sippy cup of water. I put the water in the cup, put him in bed. Good night, Sam. Turn off the light. Everything's great. Next thing I know, the, f- the floor rings with the sound of that cup hitting the floor. I go in there, Sam, what's wrong with your water? He goes, Dad, I need ice in it. I'm about to get you some ice, son. (laughs) You're not going to like where I put it, but I'm about to get you some ice. Okay, Sam doesn't mind demanding what he wants. Why? Because he's three and he's selfish. You know, my kids are really starting to hit that beautiful age where they can fight over toys. Okay, they don't care about what the other kid wants. They want what they want. Right? I'm warning Luke now. I'm saying, Luke, look, your little brother is about to become bigger than you are. Okay, that's coming. It's coming down the pike very quickly. You need to be treating him differently now. Okay, but Luke can't see that far ahead. Why? Because he's selfish. He wants what he wants, and he wants it now. We all were born selfish. I want things my way. Okay, I want to be the most powerful or the most wealthy or the most whatever. We are selfish. I think that the reason that Paul brings up the law is because he's saying, yeah, the law told you how to love your neighbor as yourself, but you were selfish and sinful before the law. Now you're selfish and sinful. The only difference is you know better which rules you're breaking. Okay, the law didn't make you a less selfish person. It just made you aware of just how sinful you really are. I think from Adam, we undoubtedly inherit a sinful, broken world, and we are born sinful, selfish, stubborn, bent on doing things our way. We're born wanting to make ourselves Lord. We have to learn how to make Jesus Lord. We are born wanting to be Lord. Notice verse 17. It says, death reigned. Fortunately, we don't inherit just from our ancestor Adam. Fortunately, we now get to claim a different Lord, and from him, Paul says, we inherit differently. And I think this is really the point of our passage this morning. If you get nothing else, get this. And that is that from Jesus, we inherit life. Notice verse 17. He says, For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? And I think about the growing up experiences I had and how I learned very systematically that the world was broken. Okay, I also had the tremendous blessing of growing up in church. And in church, I learned from my earliest days that Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. 
I learned that there was a group of people who would always love and support me simply because they love Jesus. Okay, I learned that no matter what I was struggling with in life, I could always turn to God in prayer. I learned that no matter if I was scared, or if I was lonely, whatever was going on, God was always there. You know, I learned that it really did matter which group you were a part of. Okay, but the group that mattered wasn't jocks or cool kids or band kids. It was being part of the Jesus group. Okay, and I had the experience of growing up with a really good youth group with kids from all sorts of different cliques, but we could all be in the same group because we were part of something more important. I learned that I could struggle and fail in my struggle with sin, and I learned that there was grace and forgiveness and healing available at the feet of Jesus. From Jesus, we inherit life. Yeah, we're going to talk about this more as we get deeper into the book of Romans, but I think Romans very clearly shows us that you and I are made up of three different parts. Okay, we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Okay, and when we sin, the world that we're born into, your body dies. Okay, when we sin, your soul also dies, and your spirit is greatly impacted. Okay, your spirit is the part that makes you you, all right, and your soul is the part of you that will live for all of eternity. I think that when we come to know Jesus, when we put him on in baptism, which we'll start talking about next week, okay, immediately your soul is healed. Your spirit starts that process of being healed. Okay, you start becoming more like Jesus. It's that path of discipleship. And ultimately, the promise is you and I will get new bodies. That's the life that Jesus brings. You know, I mentioned earlier my grandfather who longed for death at the end of his life. He was a Christian. So you know what he has now? He has a body that will never fail him. He has a spirit that's been reunited to his God. His soul has been made whole again. Okay, that is the assurance that you and I have. We live in a broken world. We live in a world marked by death and sin, but that will not have the last word because Jesus Christ is Lord. At this time in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, if you don't know Jesus as Lord, today is the best day of your life to do that. Uh, during this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. Uh, this song is a time for you. Uh, and I want to speak a word of blessing over us, and then we will sing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.